This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 535. Thanks for joining us once again. Great to have your company. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Samsung has named the date for the launch of the Galaxy S23. We'll also take a look at Lightyear, the world's first solar-powered EV that had its origins in Australia. And JBL has launched its new soundbar with detachable wireless rear speakers. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out more products we found at the Consumer Electronics Show, including the Equinox 2 Smart Telescope, the Bird Buddy Smart Bird Feeder, and the Silent Mask that can give you silence and privacy for your phone calls. And we'll answer all of your questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, mark your calendars, everybody. February the 1st, in that's US time, February the 2nd at 5 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time is when Samsung will hold their first full-scale Galaxy Unpacked launch event, which will, uh, their, their first event since 2019, so first in three years. And at that event, we're going to see, of course, the new Galaxy S23. Now, this is significant. The first event for a start in three years. At the, at the last event they held in 2019, that was when they introduced the first Galaxy Z Fold. You cast your mind back three years. They're already up to Z Fold 4. So uh, once in 19, early 20 is when they released the they had a they, they released the, the 20 I think the, the the 19 was the 10 then they did the 20 then 21 22 so then they started following the years after that so the first event since 2019 and it, it was as reportedly we're hearing that the it's going to still follow the same sort of uh, range as well so there'll be the S23 there'll be the S23 plus and the S23 ultra it was only last year when we saw the S22 Ultra included the S Pen, which basically made it the new Note as well because it was had the great camera but also had the S Pen, which is included. You can actually store it inside the device. So that really that became the top-shelf product because it had the great camera that the Galaxy S series uh, included, but then also the S Pen, which a lot of fans, myself included, really enjoy using on the Samsung devices. So this year, we can probably expect more of the same in terms of the range. So there'll be the S22, S23, S23 Plus, and S23 Ultra, as I've mentioned. Now, in terms of design, haven't heard a lot of rumors about there being too much change to the actual shape and size. I do know there are there have been some some renders doing the rounds online. The back, the rear uh, of each of the devices, 
Do you remember how the S22 and S22 Plus had a different camera configuration on the back of the device? And the Ultra had the lenses on a flat, flat part of the panel, so flat with the rest of the panel and just having the lenses uh, popping out. My uh, understanding is that the entire range is going to look that way. So the S20, S23, S23 Plus will have that similar. There'll be no camera bump as such. There'll be just the lenses placed on the rear panel as they were on the Ultra model as well. Speaking of the camera, though, this is the big rumor, is that the S23 Ultra, which naturally is going to be the, have the best specs, best camera, best of everything, Word is that it could include a 200-megapixel main camera. So they had, I think they had 100 this time. So 200-megapixel main camera obviously needs a brand-new sensor to be able to power that sort of thing. But uh, that's, again, Samsung putting all their chips on the camera because, let's let's face it, the improvements uh, on the device itself is mainly coming in the camera. We saw the same thing with the iPhone 14. So with the iPhone 14, there were a couple of extra features, but it was the camera that was improved. It looked almost identical to the 13, but the camera is a little bit better. So I'm expecting Samsung, and look, I'm hoping they've got a couple of things up their sleeve, a couple of nice surprises for the S23 range. But we're getting to a point now where how much can you improve these devices? I think I said the same thing at the Consumer Electronics Show with with televisions. How much better can they get? I think it's, it won't be long before they say, right, that's the best we can do. That's that's it. And they'll focus on other things they can improve. But I think in the in the case of the S23, I'm looking forward to there being uh, some uh, a number of features uh, that we that no one predicted, as well as that great improved camera as well. Maybe a slight tweak on the design. Who knows? I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm open to uh, being surprised and delighted by any new features. Now, the event, as I said, will take place on February the second, which is uh, as that's Australian time. Early, if you want, if you really want to get up and watch it live, five a.m. on February the second. Uh, it's Australian Eastern Daylight Time. And going by previous years we'll probably see the pre-orders go up the following day or maybe even that night, the night of the second. And then normally what happens is that two weeks later, the device goes on sale. So going by that timeline, uh, pre-orders are probably expected to kick off on February the 3rd, which is a Friday. Release date likely to be two weeks later on February 17, which also happens to be my birthday. So Feb 17, 2023 is when we can expect to see, judging by that timeline, when they'll be available, they'll go on sale. So uh, look, if, you, if you're in, in the market for an updated Samsung device, I know a lot of customers have older devices, an S8, S9, and S10, then uh, this, this might be the update for you. Uh, I think just given, and it's like this with all products, any, any improvement, is it is it going to be a case of customers hanging on to existing devices because of the the state of the economy, the uncertainty of the economy, rising cost of living, energy prices going up, home home interest rates are going up as well? Is it a matter of uh, look if you've got the S twenty two, do you really need to upgrade? That's really not something I can speak on until I see the S twenty three and know what it's all about. But I think that's the we're seeing customers hanging on to devices longer. 
not unusual, I think, to have a phone now three, four, even five years if, if you're happy with it. The only basic improvements, of course, is just the speed of the device. And no doubt there'll be a, a faster processor and uh, 5G. If you haven't updated your phone for three or four years, perhaps you're using still a 4G device. So that might be another reason to upgrade as well. Uh, but we'll, time will tell. I'm, I'm hoping there's a lot of cool features for the S23 that will make people want to update from maybe the 20 or, or the 21. Who knows? But it's, uh, it's going to be on Feb 2nd. It's early morning uh, it's Australian time, February the 1st at 10 a.m. It's going to be in San Francisco, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. San Francisco is where this big unpacked event is going to take place. And that'll be live streamed, of course, on the Samsung website. And Tech Guide will be giving you all of that information as well as a hands-on look at the device and all those things as we normally do whenever Samsung release their new smartphone. This is the big deal for Samsung. This is their flagship. This is Apple's version of the iPhone launch for Samsung. This is their flagship launch. Uh, there's a lot of telcos already advertising the fact that there's a new phone coming. So, yeah, they're really getting behind it as well. Uh, and we'll, uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing what Samsung has come up with for the S23. If you want to read more about the launch event and even see the little tease video that uh, that Samsung put together as well, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, we've still got a lot of things to talk about uh, from the Consumer Electronics Show. We are back in Australia now, and uh, there's still a lot of stories that, we've, uh, that we're covering and we're publishing since we've returned from Las Vegas, including this one. We, we were able to check out the new uh, Lightyear uh, EV, but this is an EV with a difference. It's the world's first solar-powered car, which uh, has actual solar panels on the, on the bonnet, on the roof, and on the, on the boot. So the, the whole top of the car is a solar panel. Now, interestingly... The concept for this car had its origins in Australia. Now, the four founding members of the company were part of the University of Eindhoven team that entered and won the World Solar Challenge in 2013. For those not familiar with the World Solar Challenge, it started back in 1987 here in Australia, and the the idea, the object of the competition was to create an aerodynamic solar-powered car and to see how far and how fast it can go. The University of Eindhoven team have taken the learnings from their win in 2013 and actually applied that to the light year, which is actually already on European roads. So the they've taken those learnings and applied it to a road car, which is actually on sale already. It's very expensive first edition though. It's like 250,000 US dollars, the first car. But in six months, the Lightyear 2 will be revealed. And guess what? It's going to be a lot more aggressively priced at 40,000 US dollars to bring it within reach of even more customers. So what's the advantage of having the solar panels? Well, it's a no-brainer. There's a lot of sun that hits your car, a lot of panels on your car that can collect power, collect solar power. And I've, I've been driving my Tesla for nearly five years, and I've often thought, why the hell don't they just put a solar panel on the roof? And lo and behold, that's exactly what Lightyear has done. Now, there is a battery on this car. It's a 60-kilowatt battery. And the solar panels on the roof 
if they if you park your car in the sun, you could potentially collect up to 70 kilometers of range. So it adds that power to the battery, which means 70 kilometers of range just by parking your car in the sun. Now, when you think about that, the average the average distance we drive is about 35 to 40 kilometers a day. So you can imagine parking this outside every day gets you 70 Ks a day. That means you're only charging the battery every few weeks rather than every few days as you would a regular EV. I think really interesting. And and the 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 thing with Lightyear too, you got to remember these guys came from the Wald Solar Challenge, so it was all about efficiency. They had to create efficiency in this car. So much so, this doesn't have a normal like on a Tesla. The motors are on the axle, and there's a central drive shaft, and that's what powers the car. Now the motors on the Lightyear are actually in each wheel and independently controlled. That that the that independent control creates efficiency. Not having a big drive shaft and massive axles also makes the car lighter, and that translates into even more efficiency. So you can see how they can get hundreds of kilometers more range on their battery compared to other cars. I'll give you the example. My car, the my Tesla Model S, has a 75 kilowatt hour battery, which gives me a full range. If it's 100%, I can have about 490 kilometers range. Now, the light year with a 60 kilowatt battery and a solar panel probably has a, about 600 to 700 kilometer range. So it, it, that that just there, just going by the numbers, shows that amazing efficiency. Tesla, I think, more created for performance than efficiency, which I can see why. But in terms of the pure efficiency of making the car go as far as it possibly can with solar and battery power, that's where Lightyear is coming from as well. Now, Lightyear 2 was actually on the stand at the Consumer Electronics Show. But what they did, they placed it behind a wall and there was these narrow slats so that you had to walk quickly down the wall to be able to see through and just get a basic idea of the shape of the car. It was really well done. It was uh, that reveal, the official reveal won't be uh, won't go up until about June this year. They were saying so they're going to make that big reveal. But uh, it was interesting to see you could get this tantalising little glimpse of what's to come in the future. So I think the light years we're not going to we're going to hear a lot more about them in the future. And I think it's the only car you would that that a car owner would be thankful to be able to park it in the sun. It's not something, if you're a car owner and it's a sunny, hot day, the, what, what you try to do is park in the shade. But if you're a light year driver, bring it on. You want to be parking in the sun as often as you can. If you want to find out more about the new light year vehicle, there's some pictures and there's also a video we shot uh, at CES in front of the car as well. You can check all that out at techguide.com.au. Now, we also caught up with our good friends at JBL at the Consumer Electronics Show. They actually weren't on the show floor as such. The, the show proper, uh, the, the main booths are at the Las Vegas Convention Center, but there are a lot of companies who display in hotels and other parts of Las Vegas that are still officially part of the Consumer Electronics Show, but they choose to have it off-site. So in this case, JBL had their like their big booth and showroom at the new Virgin Hotel, which is off the strip. It's the old Hard Rock Hotel for anyone who knows Vegas. 
the uh, they've gone from Hard Rock to Virgin uh, out there at the uh, in Las Vegas, and that's where JBL or Harmon, with their parent company, had set up their big booth. And I got a, a nice tour of their booth as well. Couple of products stood out. The first one, which I'll talk about, is their new earphones. They've got these new JBL Tour Pro Twos, and these are wireless earphones. And the case actually has a small display. So imagine having these earphones in your ear and the case allows you to access all the features of the app. So you'll be able to adjust the equalizer, control your playback, all those things rather than having to pick up your smartphone and go into the app, unlock your phone, go into the app. The case itself has a small screen on it and allows you to control everything there right in your hand. So you keep your smartphone in your pocket or in your bag, wherever it happens to be. It's the case that gives you access to all that, which I think is a brilliant idea. But their other great product that I actually listened to was their new soundbar, the JBL Bar 1300. Now, this is a, a, a Dolby Atmos DTX surround sound, uh, so it gives you the proper cinema quality for your home viewing experience. But get this. This soundbar has detachable rear wireless speakers. So when, when you're not using the rear speakers, they're attached magnetically to the outside of the soundbar. So if you just want to listen to it in that way, you're getting all the speakers, up-firing speakers. There's a separate 10-inch wireless subwoofer. So you're getting all those great benefits of having the soundbar there. But if you want to create that, uh, that other layer of rear sound, surround sound, you can simply detach the two rear speakers off the left and right edges of the soundbar, place them up the back of the room, and it gives you the proper 5.1 Dolby Atmos full surround sound experience. And because they're the, these detachable speakers are actually battery-powered, so traditionally if you were to buy a soundbar with rear speakers, those rear speakers are separate. They need their own power. They might connect wirelessly to the soundbar, but you've got to find a power point that you can trip over the cable. It, it sounds great, but it's a hassle, a hassle to set up as well. But with this, with the JBL Bar 1300, you simply put those wireless rear speakers up the back. They don't need power because they've got battery involved. They connect via Bluetooth to the, to the soundbar at the front of the room. So you could be having this amazing surround sound experience with zero hassle. And when you're done with your movie, simply collect the rear speakers from the back of the room attach them to the main soundbar at the front of the room. Not only will that, that it'll attach them so you know where they are, but also it'll recharge the onboard battery. But get this, each of those rear wireless speakers, you can take away and use and pair your smartphone to that speaker and use it as a little portable Bluetooth speaker as well. So it's such a versatile system, this one, that allows you to go from having a normal soundbar to full surround sound with wireless rear speakers and also having a Bluetooth speaker you can carry around and take out with you, use wherever you want. Battery lasts about up to four hours when fully charged for those rear speakers as well. Uh, so a great, a great way to enjoy your sound, get, create that real cinema quality. And I heard a great demo here uh, at CES. They played as, as a couple of scenes from the film uh, ready player one 
which sounded incredible. We we they played the clip where there's the big race happening and the the, the main characters in the DeLorean and there's all those other vehicles. There's King Kong and dinosaurs trying to stop them as well. So great demonstration of surround sound, all that little the clarity of you hearing the glass hitting the the, the road and all these little tiny detail sounds as well. It sounded amazing on the JBL Bar thirteen hundred. This is uh, it's going to go on sale from February. No word uh, on Australian pricing or the exact launch date. I think it's going to launch in Europe first. Might follow a couple of months later in Australia, but definitely one to keep an eye out on. Uh, the JBL Bar 1300 has got 11.1.4 channels, six up-firing drivers, up to 1170 watts of power output. Dolby Atmos, DTX, 3D surround sound, multi-beam technology as well. It also has amazing uh, pure voice technology. So I'm sure you've heard, you've watched movies where the, the other sounds and other speakers are dominating what the, the voice, what the actors are saying. I've often had to rewind thinking, what did, what did they say? With the, the new this new voice technology, it actually enhances the actor's voice so you can hear it a lot clearer despite what else is going on around it. You can still hear the voice quite clearly. That's remarkable technology. You can also, of course, link your streaming services to the JBL Bar 1300 and also hook up your voice assistants as well. So it's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri compatible. You also, it's got AirPlay 2, Alexa MRM, and Chromecast as well. So you can stream uh, your favorite audio content directly from your device as well. Really handy, this one. I'm looking forward to trying this out for myself, but keep an eye out. If you want to see more, read, see the pictures and find out more about the JBL Bar 1300, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. It's a new year and our digital generation continues to see a rise in cybercrime and data breaches. Don't leave your devices without protection or your personal information open to exposure. It's time to have a plan to keep your devices and personal information protected. Save your time and money should the unthinkable happen and your devices are at risk to cyber threats like malware, ransomware or viruses or your personal information is exposed to cyber criminals looking to trade your details on the dark web. Introducing Norton 360 Platinum. With device security, a VPN for online privacy, parental controls and identity protection with dedicated restoration support and dark web monitoring, you have a comprehensive plan in place to help ensure your information stays private. It's peace of mind for your devices and your identity. With Norton 360 Platinum, if you become a victim of identity theft, you have access to their dedicated identity restoration specialists to help you address your identity theft claim and help you resolve it. Norton 360 Platinum is available now at Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi or online at au.norton.com. And now a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Heading up our reviews are some of these products that we discovered at the Consumer Electronics Show. There were so many that we saw we couldn't actually fit them all in in last week's show. So we're going to continue to go through them in this week's show. First up is the Equinox 2 Smart Telescope. 
Now, I was immediately attracted to this. I'm into my astrophotography, have been for the last three years, and this is a great way to introduce somebody to the world of astronomy and astrophotography. Now, I know in my limited experience of the last three years that it's not easy to set up a telescope, align it, and take good photographs of your the deep sky targets. It takes a bit of work. It takes a lot of expertise, a lot of practice. I say to people, it's like solving a Rubik's Cube every time you're setting up because everything has to work. Everything has to be right for you to get some great results. Now, Unistella has come along. That's the company behind the Equinox 2. And they've introduced this smart telescope, which basically connects to your smartphone and lets your smartphone then decide the targets you want to to be directed towards. So what, what it basically does, it uses the phone's GPS position to determine where you are on the in the world and uses that information to help you align the telescope and then be able to slew to the different targets. Now, basically, why do you need to align? You need to, in the Southern Hemisphere, you need to align to a star in the Southern sky so that you are tracking the Earth's rotation. So basically, the point that you're tracked that you align to, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, the star is called Polaris. In the Southern Hemisphere, the star is Sigma Octanus. And that's basically a point in the in the case of the southern sky. That's the point in the southern sky that doesn't move. It, it rotates on that particular star, so that you, uh, you, if you're tracking an object or stacking an image or taking a long exposure, the mount is tracking at the precise movement, the speed of the movement of the Earth. So you're getting really sharp images. Now this is all built into the telescope, so it really takes all that guesswork out of it for you manually setting up a, a telescope like I would, this is something you have to do separately. You have to align. You have to make sure your, your mount level. You, you got to make sure your telescope's pointed the right way. To all, there's a bit, all these things you have to do. But the Equinox 2 takes all that away from you and really makes it really simple and easy to set up so fast that within a couple of minutes, they tell me, you could be up and looking at objects in the sky. And the beauty of the app as well, it is also your directory. Now, there's millions of targets in the sky, millions of things to look at. So if you want to maybe look at the Orion Nebula, for example, you just press that on the app and it'll then the, the telescope will then move to that part of the sky. And then once it gets there, it'll say, okay, ready to go, have a look. And then you see the image on your phone. From the telescope, you're looking at a live view of what of that particular target. Now I notice on this on this smart telescope, there's no eyepiece. Now for those who are into visual astronomy, the eyepiece naturally is where you would put a, put a, an, an eyepiece in, so you can actually see. There's a, maybe a level of magnification on it, so you would literally lean down, put your eye on that piece, and it will then bounce off the mirror, so you're seeing what the telescope is seeing. Early on, that was a really fascinating way to view Jupiter and see the rings of Saturn. And you could probably do that with the Equinox too. The eyepiece, though, the, the, where the eyepiece actually goes into the telescope on a, regular, on a regular telescope is also where you attach the camera. So there's a dedicated astro camera. Uh, there's the filters and everything as well that, you, that I used for my astrophotography. But the Equinox 2 has that 
built in, the filter and an algorithm to filter out city light. That's the sworn enemy of astrophotographers is light. So if you live in a if you're living in the Los on the Las Vegas strip, that light is going to impede the quality of what you're seeing. Now what Equinox 2 has is an algorithm and a filter that allows you to negate that light to sort of to help filter it out. So you're still able to see these objects really nice and sharp in the in on your device. So your phone in this case becomes your eyepiece and your camera. So you can actually you can take shots of what you're observing and be able to share them. So it's it it's really ticks all the boxes for someone who wants to get into astrophotography and astronomy without having to go down the long path of learning all this other stuff, buying all this expensive equipment and and getting better at using it. This is something I reckon that would bring this this hobby to the masses it's something that is really easy to set up like i often if you follow me on on instagram or on facebook i often share my astro photos which involve hours of data collection so i'm taking five minute exposures for three hours of the same deep sky objects stacking them in in in, uh, in another program processing them in photoshop and then producing the final result that's 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 the beauty of astrophotography, and I enjoy that. I like that process. I, I don't want to cut that out. That's all part of the enjoyment of the hobby for me. But it's not for everyone. People say, well, how, did you, how do you do that? And it takes me half an hour to explain how I did it, whereas a product like the Equinox 2, that would, that's a shortcut to getting those, to those results. And I think this is going to be really, really popular in, the, uh, in introducing people to astronomy and being able to see those galaxies and nebulas and planets and star clusters and all those things uh, through the telescope. Truly fascinating. I look forward to receiving a review model and then being able to share the results with you guys as well. But if in the meantime you want to take a closer look at the Equinox 2 Smart Telescope, you can do that. You can also watch our little video that we put together as well. You can see all of that at techguide.com.au. Now, on to another quirky little smart product that we found at the Consumer Electronics Show. And this, again, is addressing another hobby for people. I know, I know the bird watching, a very, very, very popular hobby. In fact, the place where I purchased a lot of my telescope gear here in Sydney is a place called Bintel uh, in Glebe. And Bintel is short for binocular and telescope shop. So the other, the first half of their name uh, binoculars which are bought uh, purchased by bird watchers so a good pair of binoculars is essential to just like a, a telescope is essential to an astrophotographer good pair of binoculars is essential to a bird watcher but in this instance the bird buddy this is a smart bird feeder that actually happens to include a built-in camera so the idea behind this is you fill the bird buddy full of bird seeds place it somewhere so you can either put it up on a pole or off, off, off a wall with a bracket a mount and that attracts birds and the device which is connected to your network and connected to uh, the companion app as well will detect the bird not only will the, that'll activate the camera so it's shooting video and taking photos of the bird but the ai on board will also identify the bird so the species of bird and you may get a notification to say, oh, a sparrow has landed in your bird buddy and it'll show you a photo, a little video. So you're able to collect these birds that as they come to the bird buddy 
And and if it doesn't recognize the bird species, you can actually send it up to the community, the bird buddy community, and let them work out what it is as well. So it, it does use the AI to identify the species and, and you can then add it to your collection. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, Pokemon Go where people are collecting all the Pokemons. Imagine this though for your birds that are birds are arriving at your bird buddy. There's a couple of examples of some images of the birds uh, sitting in the bird buddy and, and a couple of different types. There's a beautiful red bird and a, another blue, blue bird. There's some amazing little things. If you're a fan, like I said, of bird watching, then this is a really cool, a fun little product to to get involved with because you're able, of course, to share your pictures on on social media and just for your own for your own edification. You, 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 there's a little uh, you can create an album inside the Bird Buddy app, so that's your own little uh, your own little collection of the birds that have uh, that have visited your Bird Buddy. There's lots of accessories you can buy as well, like a wall mount, a water fountain. Uh, you can you can also have a solar panel on the roof, so you don't have to charge the battery, the the camera battery as well. And uh, so yeah, I think a lot of enjoyment. I would I would like I would love to have one of these, just to see the sort of bird life that is in my area. It could be a way to get into bird watching, or another way to make it easier for bird watchers to collect even more. Uh, of their of their the birds that they're they're looking out for. So, my understanding is bird watching involves heading out. Once you spot a bird, you get your binoculars. You try to identify it yourself. But with the bird buddy, the bird buddy identifies it for you. So it attracts the birds to the bird buddy and then identifies the bird there. So that's the the, the common part of these two things is trying to identify the bird. Just like there's plane watchers and train spotters and uh, they try to identify different types of planes and different registrations. And it's a real hobby for people. They enjoy doing it. And so do they enjoy watching birds. So bird watching, if you're if you're into that, Bird Buddy could be the smart bird feeder for you, could really expand your love of that particular hobby. If you want to see our full story and another video there, we did a video on the Bird Buddy, check it out, Tech Guide. .com.au Now here's a product that I reckon I could use. Um, I've been told by my wife that I talk loud. I'm a loud talker. I don't know. It's, got a, it's just got a strong voice. I don't know why. So there's a product I discovered at CES called the Silent Mask. So this is basically a mask you can wear on your face, over your mouth, that allows you to talk and scream or do whatever you want in silence. So imagine being able to have this mask. Maybe you're in a busy office. Maybe you're the sound of your voice talking on the phone. It's annoying to other people. It would be annoying to me. Now, imagine being able to wear this mask and be able to enjoy the silence and privacy of like a studio, your own little studio setup where the acoustics are good, it's nice and quiet. That's what Silent Mask is trying to provide. Now, this was developed by a French startup called SkyTed, and it uses the same aerospace and acoustic materials used in aircraft to silence the sound of jet engines. So imagine you're sitting, you're inside the plane. There's material around the fuselage to to reduce the noise coming from the engines. So that same material is used in the silent mask to mask the sound of your voice by up to eighty percent. 
So I, I was given a quick demo at the Consumer Electronics Show where the woman put it on, put it on, and was talking quite loudly. I could not hear a single thing, and so being able to do that. Imagine you say you're you're receiving a phone call, or you got to make a phone call. It's pretty noisy. You're able to use the silent mask because there's a built-in microphone inside. There's the internal microphone that you can connect it via a 3.5 mil plug. There's no wireless version just yet, but you can. You might need an adapter to connect it to your phone, so you can be heard in in complete uh, silence and and privacy. So say you might be making a sensitive phone call, you might be in a busy office or in somewhere noisy and, and a lot of people around, you're able to mask that sound. So imagine too, I'll give you a good example too. When I was when I saw this at the CES Unveiled, I'd actually just done a 2GB tech segment and it was noisy. It wasn't the best surroundings. But if I had the silent mask, I could have worn the mask, made my call and they would have heard nothing but my voice. So all the outside noise would have been masked out. And, and my voice to the outside wall would also have been masked out as well. So you think of the other uses for this. Imagine if you say you like playing games. How many, how many parents are listening to me right now whose teenage kids play online games and they can hear them swearing and yelling and while they're playing the game? Put a silent mask on them. They won't, you won't hear a thing. They'll still be able to yell and scream and, and talk during the game, but anyone outside near them won't hear a thing. Now, the idea behind this came from the founder, Stefan Herson. He was working at Airbus at the time, and he was imagining, because the, the technology is coming through where customers, passengers will be able to make in-flight phone calls. So he was imagining, imagine if 300 passengers are making an in-flight call at the same time. That would be a nightmare. So he thought we need something to create that silent studio-like condition for a passenger to potentially be able to make a phone call mid-flight. Imagine 300 people talking at the same time on their phone. It would be a nightmare on a plane. So that, that was the product of that thought process. The silent mask could potentially provide that. And, of course, outside of an aircraft, there are plenty of uses for this as well, including the ones I've just mentioned. Whether you want to have privacy, you might be in a hybrid, you might be working from home and you don't want the noise of your kids and your pets and your family to disturb your call. Uh, you might be uh, you might be wanting to record in silence, but you can't because you've got a bit, a bit of a noisy environment. So all these use cases for the silent mask, you might be in the back of a taxi, you need to make a, a, a personal phone call or a, a confidential phone call. These are the many, many uses of the silent mask. Don't know when we're going to see it on sale in Australia. I think it's gone beyond concept. It's now a, a working product. So I'm keen to see where the silent mask goes from here. But if you're curious to learn more, and I'm sure you are, you can not only see our video, but there's some also images and a, and a deeper explanation of the technology as well. You can find that all at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6E is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad band whole home mesh system, opening an exclusive all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today 
and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Wi-Fi 6E, the fastest Wi-Fi ever. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our good mates at Belkin, belkin.com forward slash au. If you're after a power, a GAN power charger, cables, MagSafe products, charging stands, you name it, Belkin make it. Check the product range out at belkin.com forward slash au. Now, I often get asked about uh, listeners who uh, no longer have good radio reception. I, I hear from people, their their digital radio is carked and they want to be able to buy a new one. And my suggestion each and every time is why buy a digital radio when you can simply buy a smart speaker? Instead of having to tune a digital radio, and they sound great and they really look nice and they work well, but I think it just makes it a whole lot easier. If you've got Wi-Fi at home, connect a smart speaker to your Wi-Fi and then just ask for the radio station you want to listen to. It just makes it a lot easier. I, I did this for my parents. They, they had a digital radio, and it died on them. And what I did is replaced it with a smart speaker with a display. So I think I gave them the Lenovo smart display. It's got a screen. It's smart. It's Google. They just asked Google to play 2GB or play whatever station they want to listen to or play Frank Sinatra or play Christmas carols, whatever they want. They just ask for it, and they get it. So rather than having to stuff around and try to find the station, manually tune it, manually try to get to the next station, you just use your voice. So this has really changed things for my parents as, as it has for other people for who I've suggested a smart speaker as the alternative to a digital radio. You just simply ask for that radio, that radio station, and it'll play it, whether you're on Google, whether you're Alexa, Siri, I think you, you can play limited stations. You, you, what you do with Siri, like a HomePod, is you you can Bluetooth your phone to Siri and play it on your phone. That'll it'll be playing. Choose the HomePod as your as your source as your as your speaker. Uh, but the, I'm, I know for a fact that Google Assistant and, and Alexa, you simply ask those to play it. They'll play it on the radio app. Tune in radio. Also depends on what radio station you're asking for. But generally, it's much easier to use a smart speaker than to have to buy another digital radio. And that is full time for Tech Guide episode 535. Thank you for making it through to the end. If you need to find out about anything we've spoken about on the show, you can find it, and normally with a video, at techguide.com.au. And we'd love to hear from you too. If you want to get in touch with us, email us info at techguide.com.au or click the Ask Stephen icon and that will generate an email that will come straight to my inbox and I will answer as quickly as I can. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs and Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the companies that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 